You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The travel boom as people getting back, trying to get back to real life. Cyber criminals realize that, and they're not going to try to leave this stone unturned when it comes to pulling people's money uh, away from them and into their own coffers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, the phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Got some good stories to share this week. And later in the show, Greg Otto, who is chief cybercrime reporter for Intel 471, we're talking about travel scams. All right, Joe, uh, before we dig into our stories, we've got a little bit of a follow-up here. You want to take yes. us through that? First, I want to tell our listeners that I will be at the Grace Hopper Conference this year. So if any listeners are attending, I invite you to stop by the Johns Hopkins University booth and introduce yourselves. Very nice. Uh, I'd like to see you. Uh, Kevin writes in, said, just listen to the deep fakes episode, which was a while ago, I think. Yeah. And a fear I have is that even if someone doesn't think they believe it or thinks they know it's false— The idea, the image, and the impression is now implanted in their brain and in their subconscious. Hmm. Uh, This is an interesting assertion here. He goes on, and that will always influence their perception of reality. Think about political cartoons. They exaggerate someone's attributes. So even if you are looking at the real person, you can't not see those exaggerations. Hmm. Remember Gerald Ford? Did he fall down often? No. But thanks to Chevy Chase and Saturday, Saturday Night Live... SNL. Should you just say SNL? That's a lot easier to say than Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. uh, everybody thought that Ford was a klutz. Kevin says it was scary, but uh, I think it's more interesting. It's a it's a it's an astute observation, Kevin. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, even if even if you know that what you're looking at is a is a is a fake, that does imp- that does have impact. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and I I guess. Is it fair to say a lot of this is rhetoric? That's, you know, that's oh, 100% <laughs> certainly fair to say. political discourse. There's yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I think there's something to this, the planting of that seed, uh, even just doubt or uncertainty. You know, sometimes that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. Um, quite often it's a good thing. But I, I uh, would love to have doubt and uncertainty in all of our elected officials. <laughs> right. I, I want people to have that in every single elected, every single public office holder in the country. Yeah. You should view them with doubt and uncertainty. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. You Unless know, I, it was like Fred Rogers or. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, Fred Rogers is long gone and never held public office. Right. And right. actually. Did good work. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm grateful for 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 his contributions, but uh, if, uh, people like Fred Rogers don't go into office. No, no, and they're few <laughs> and far between. Right? Yeah, absolutely. The um uh the thing that that this made me think of was there's an episode of The Simpsons where uh, George Herbert Walker Bush moves in across the street in a in a suddenly <laughs> unexplained mansion. Right. <laughs> right. And he and Homer uh, start having battles, and then eventually Bush moves out, and Ford moves in. And the, they make the joke, the, the fall-down joke. Mm-hmm. This is 20 years after his presidency, 30, I don't know how long it was, a long time, yeah. right? They still make that joke about him. 
Well, and I also what it also reminds me of is that when we think of these uh, impersonations of people, or when we think of celebrities, right. we often think about the impersonation of them, not them. Right. Because it is the gift of the mimic to be able to distill those things. You know, you had Dana Carvey with uh, with George Herbert Walker Bush saying, not going to do it. Right. Not, you know, <laughs> wouldn't be prudent. That's, and, that's a and, great point. And it's a distillation. It's not the same sort of thing. Um I've heard people say that, uh, who is it, uh, going to be a really big show. Um, right, that was uh, uh, b- b- Ed b- Sullivan. B- b- Ed Sullivan, right. Like Ed Sullivan didn't actually sound like that. When most people are doing Ed Sullivan, they're not doing Ed Sullivan. They're doing the guy who popularized the impersonation of Ed Sullivan. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what happens here. So. You know who really loved George, uh, uh, Dana Carvey's George D- Herbert Walker Bush impression? Hmm. Was George Herbert Walker Bush. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. He actually invited him to the White House one day and said, hey, call the secret service agents in here <laughs> and he did and they came in and Bush thought that was hilarious <laughs> yeah well it's good to have a sense of humor about yeah. yourself oh yeah. he did have a sense of humor <laughs> somewhere there's somebody out there Joe who's doing a Joe Kerrigan impersonation a dead-on Joe Kerrigan impersonation one of Man, our fans I would love to hear that <laughs> if somebody has taken the time to, to build I mean look at the smile on my face Dave yeah, yeah. just me thinking about that really makes me happy I would love to hear it yeah yeah all right. Well, thank you, uh, Kevin, for writing in. As uh, Joe says, it's an astute observation. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you have something you'd like us to discuss on the show, you can email us. It's hackinghumans at thecyberwire.com. All right. Let's dig into our stories here. Uh, my story comes from the Washington Post. Uh, this is written by Justin Juvenal and Michael Bryce Sadler. The title of the article is D.C. Government Auditor Involved in Romance Scheme, Prosecutors Say. Huh. Uh, interesting uh, allegations here. A gentleman named uh, Charles Eganjobi, who worked as an auditor with the D.C. government, uh, and he is accused of operating a money laundering scheme for a romance scam that uh, brought in nearly $2 million from mostly elderly victims. Huh. Um, the person who ran the scheme was a, a different person uh, who was a government contractor and, wait for it, Joe, a special deputy U.S. marshal. Really? Yeah. See, what did I just say about having suspicion and doubt about all the people? <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> These aren't elected people, but still. Yeah. But so this person would strike up relationships with uh, women online. Uh, he would pose as a member of the armed forces. Uh, you know, classic. I mean, uh, yep. that's that's as textbook a, a, as we have seen here. Uh, and these two gentlemen uh, would gentlemen. do this. Uh, <laughs> the, the other, the the alleged co-conspirator is uh, Isidore Iwagu, uh, both uh, local to us <laughs> in the Maryland area. Hmm. Um, they uh, talk about one of the cases. Um, uh, claiming to be in the U.S. Army again. Cl- this is all just. <laughs> it's like they're reading the script, right? Right. Uh, like they've listened to Hacking Humans for yeah, the past yeah, five years. Right, exactly. Right. Says he's stationed at a U.S. Army base, has pictures of him dressed in his military uniform, uh, of course, p- professing his love for this wo- this poor woman. She reciprocates, uh, and he says that uh, he's uh, part of a, a unit that raided a terrorist organization, and they recovered millions of dollars in cash and gold. Uh-huh. And he wanted to share this wealth with the love of his life, this woman. But in order to do that, she needed to pay $67,000 to a logistics company to help get the cash and gold shipped back to the U.S. Right. 
It's now, like an advanced fee scam. So it's a romance scam mixed with an advanced fee scam. It is. There's some good news here. The 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 woman tried to send the money, uh, but the banks detected it. The banks ah. figured out that it was a scam and they canceled the transfer. Excellent. And that's how evidently the jig was up and they started looking at these two folks. Uh, um very good. Whoever that bank is, you you have my appreciation. Wonderful. Yeah. This article points out again that uh, this uh, person worked for the Justice Department. He provided security at uh, government facilities, which meant that he was uh, authorized to carry a firearm Yikes. and had the power to arrest people because he'd been deputized as a special deputy U.S. marshal. Huh. Now That will probably never be the case again. Well, uh, you know, look, it's, these are just allegations at right. this point. That's and, right. If uh, he's convicted, that will probably never yeah, be the everybody's case Yeah, everybody's due their, their fair time in court. But right. my, my personal opinion is that <laughs> if it comes to pass that these two uh, folks get convicted of this, I hope they get the book thrown at them because yeah. uh, this is to me this is a special this is especially egregious that someone who was put in a position of uh, law trust. enforcement public trust that is the right way to say it yeah. um, has uh, used that or or I don't know cast that aside right uh, and and done these scams so um, you know good that they were caught uh, hopefully some of these folks who got scammed out of their money will be made whole I I. Honestly, doubt they'll be made whole, but maybe they'll get some of their money back. And uh, how much did they get? Two million dollars? Nearly two million dollars. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So that's a lot of money. All right. So again, that is from the Washington Post. Uh, we will have a link to that in the show notes. That is my story this week, Joe. What do you have for us? Well, Dave, uh, we should maybe collaborate a little bit more. I have two stories, but my first story is very similar to yours. It's from David <laughs> Proper over at uh, the New York Post. Okay. And he has a story about a Texas woman named Dominique Golden, who is 31. She's from Houston, and she netted $2.6 million in romance uh, romance scams. Wow. First of all, Dominique Golden sounds right. like uh, like a, the pen name of a romance novel author or something, doesn't it? <laughs> it's it a good does. name. <laughs> she reeled in $1.26 million in cash checks and money orders and wire transfers and then used that to buy luxury cars like a 2018 Bentley, mm. a 2017 Mercedes E-Class, and then something I've never understood the value of, Rolex watches. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, she has agreed to forfeit those prized possessions along with 16-inch gold chains, mm -hmm. a 24-inch gold chain, mm -hmm. and uh, three guns oh, wow. because she lives in Texas. Ever, <laughs> right. when, you, when, you, when you cross the state line, you're automatically issued right. a couple of firearms just Have you because? been into a gun store in Texas? <laughs> uh I don't know that I've ever been in a gun store, Joe. <laughs> you, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I've been to like, um, what's the big place over at Arundel Mills, the big sporting goods store? Oh, Dick's. Uh, oh, no, not no, Dick's. No, no, That's uh, uh, Bass Pro Shop. Bass Pro Shop. Bass Pro, so I've right. been to a Bass Pro Shops where they sell, they sell plenty of guns, and I right. have taken the time to walk by and just sort of check out... Uh, but as you can guess, uh, I'm not particularly a gun person. Right. Uh, you know, I don't really have a problem with responsible firearm ownership or anything like that. I'm I'm not an anti-gun nut. Right. Uh, but uh, no, I have not had the pleasure of uh, of being in a gun store in Texas. I take it you have. I have. Yes. <laughs> I have. I've been in, I went into one because uh, I go to Texas frequently. I have friends down there that I visit. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, you know, we we are talking about doing some hunting down there because one of my friends has a ranch, mm. uh, and there are 
pest animals that need controlling. Okay. So, yeah. you know, I wanted to see if I could, but I just wanted to see what was available down there. It's an experience, Dave. Yeah. It, you should, if you ever, I mean, it, I mean, I don't think it's a dangerous experience, but it's no. definitely no. something worth doing. Huh. Uh, anyway, uh, she was also required to give up $11,000 from her Houston home and uh, money that she had tucked away in the Bentley. Apparently, she just had wads of cash laying around. <laughs> just to stuff the glove compartment full <laughs> right. of $100 bills, right. as you do if when you have a Bentley. <laughs> so she also opened uh, mailboxes and uh, under assumed names like at mailboxes, et cetera. I guess that's gone now, isn't it? Mm. Just the UPS store? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... She, it looks like she has been, uh, been busted. God, I mean, talk about not flying, laying low or flying under the radar. Right. Excellent point. That's one of the things I've always, you know, I, you know, that there's that little guy in the back of my head that goes, we could be criminals. All we have to do is not talk about it, not be flashy. <laughs> right. 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 Or <laughs> we, just do it once. Right. Or just do it once. You yeah. can probably get away with it if you yeah. do it once. But yeah. These guys do it over and over again. Yeah. Uh, the next story comes from Bill Shannon, who is at WTAJ up in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Uh, and he's talking about Pennsylvania State Police who are warning residents uh, about what they call quick-moving scam artists traveling from city to city and uh, scamming just regular people as they go through. <laughs> you are unaware of the caliber of disaster indicated by the presence of a pool table in your community. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so these guys are running counterfeit jewelry scams. Uh-huh. Uh, they're doing quick change schemes at local retail locations. Uh, mm-hmm. They're snatching cell phones. They're going in the gym lockers and taking stuff out of there. Uh, they're doing jewelry store distraction thefts. Huh. And they're putting skimming devices on ATMs and uh, checkout re- self-checkout registers. Wow. So, so they've, they've diversified their scam portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pennsylvania State Police reminds people to stay vigilant and aware of their surroundings and consider the following recommendations. Hmm. Number one, use caution if approached by an individual attempting to sell gold jewelry. While it may be stamped 18K, it's likely not real. <laughs> so I, I, I've said before, my wife and my son have experience in the jewelry industry. Hmm. And one of the things uh, that was a bone of contention in our in our household was that my wife would maintain that you can't stamp any any jewelry with a 14 carat stamp or whatever carat, unless it actually meets those requirements. Hmm. And her father and I would look at her and go, sure you can. (laughs) It's easy. (laughs) Let's let's go step in the garage. Right. Exactly. I'll make a 14 K stamp. Right. And I'll hit a piece of aluminum with it and tell you it's 14 carat gold. And, and, and there is this, this idea that this stamp on the gold is, is somehow a verification of of the money mm-hmm. or of the value rather yeah. of this of this gold the 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 uh, the gold the actual content gold content in a piece of gold pure gold is twenty four carats yeah right so if it's twelve carat it's half gold half other metals mm-hmm. um, and it it has to do with the weight of uh, I don't know how exactly it's figured out but that's about how it works okay um, but there's nothing that stops people from just stamping these things. Sure. I've never understood why people put any faith in those stamps at all. <laughs> it's like certificates of authenticity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I got a laser printer. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> As, uh, I'll give you a certificate of authenticity right. for it. What do you want it to say? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on both these stories. One, it looks like uh, it looks like they've busted a bad guy down in Texas yeah. who's been uh, scamming scamming men out of uh, out of money. 
uh, you know, it, remember that romance scams are an equal opportunity uh, scam. They, they, sure. They, they, they will go after men. They'll go after women. It doesn't even, it doesn't matter to them. Yep. As long as you have money, that's all they care about. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to love and be loved. Yep. And, uh, and that's just, that's, that's the human condition, isn't it? It is. Yeah. A big part of it. Yeah. All right. Well, Joe, it is time to move on to our catch of the day. Our catch of the day comes from John in California who writes, Hi, Dave and Joe. I thought this was quite fishy as I absolutely did not apply for this position and the location of the job gives it away. Love your podcast, John. So, uh, Dave, I'm not sure. I'm not a hundred. I'm, I'm like probably 95% sure this is a scam, mm-hmm. but I could also see this being legitimate, which might be why it's a good catch of the day. Huh? Okay. Well, it goes like this. Our company is getting back concerning application on a career builder project. Payment $93,300 to $114,300 a year. Employment location, local, period, long-term, post-roll, purchasing coordinator, position summary. Your key duties will include the management of vendors, base, and goods purchased from outside sources. You will negotiate agreements which will help to deliver value to our stakeholders, ensuring service, quality, and added value, which maximizing the supplier's capabilities. General responsibilities and duties include secures quotes from qualified vendors of required resources to obtain most favorable price terms and services to meet production plan, prepare plans and discuss long-term contracts and pricing, maintain supply chain activity, including controlling supplier selection, inducting, evaluating, and tracking vendor price quality and delivery activity, control logistics to be sure of goods timely shipment with required documentation, Necessary skills, employment eligibility in the U.S. or permanent resident status, must be detail-oriented, methodical, and well-organized. Ability to do duties in a group, have an ability to build morale and group commitments to goals and objectives, must be able to work flexible schedule, overtime, weekends, ability to work flexible schedule, 24-7, skills on Microsoft Office, Outlook, Excel, Word, and Office equipment, legal DL and driver background as required, To begin the application process, please attach your resume. Notice only persons with resume will be looked through. (laughs) So actually now I'm 100% sure it's a scan that I've (laughs) gone through this. Yeah, yeah, this this is almost certainly some kind of of employment scam. Or if if it isn't an employment scam, it's a job you don't want. (laughs) Um, You know, you have to be able to work 24-7. No. (laughs) Seems a bit much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Not uh, not for not for any any amount of salary, let alone a a what would be considered a well above the median salary uh, here. Although it's listed not as salary or as wages, but as payment, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the employment role or employment location. This is what um, this is what John was pointing out is local. Doesn't say remote. <laughs> says local, right? <laughs> right. Local could be anywhere. Right. Exactly. These guys just put that in there so people fill in the blanks in their head. That's one of the one of the things these scam artists try to do is get you to fill in your own blanks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, there is a lot of bad English in this that hopefully no nobody ever posting a job would ever uh, put out. But you know, some business owners English isn't their first language. Maybe they would put this out. Right. Right. Um, but yes, this is almost certainly a scam. First off, they want you to send a resume to a different address than the address that it came from. Uh, that's a red flag. Uh, these addresses are Yahoo addresses and Gmail addresses, not corporate email addresses. Mm. That's a red flag. 
Uh, the the fact that they want a resume and demand it and say your res- your application won't be considered without one that's probably just so they can gather your information mm-hmm. uh, re- your resume has a ton of information about you on there you know i was um yeah recently uh, about a year ago my wife was looking for a a new job and i said look just put your name your cell phone number and your email address on it they don't need to know your address hmm. they just don't need it mm-hmm. uh, they don't need it until you're filling out your your paperwork for working there hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Right. All right. Well, thanks, John, for sending that in. We do appreciate it. Again, we would love to hear from you. You can email us. It's hackinghumans at thecyberwire.com. You know what I might do, Dave? What's that? Is I might make up a resume that's just like, you know, my greatest achievement, my crowning achievement in my career is my vast collection of all office supplies. <laughs> and then send it to these guys. You know, they, they just make a complete farcical resume. Right, right. <laughs> I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Greg Otto. He is the chief cybercrime reporter for a security company, Intel 471. And our conversation centers on travel scams. Here's my conversation with Greg Otto. You know, we see the world at least trying to lead the COVID pandemic in the rearview mirror. And because cybercriminals rarely let a societal trend go by, Without trying to scam their way into, you know, some misbegotten money, we we wanted to look to to say, hmm, that there's, you know, if there's an uptick in travel uh, around the world, I we wonder if cyber criminals are following that trend, considering that it's it's loosely tied to the pandemic. You know, when we saw what the pandemic started, uh, cyber criminals created fake. COVID exposure apps. When vaccines came out, we saw that they latched on to vaccines in terms of trying to push scams that way. So as travel starts to head back to pre-pandemic norms, of course, cyber criminals are not far behind um, offering all types of travel scams and going after people's travel data in terms to make more money on the cybercrime underground. Well, let's dig into some of the specific things you all are tracking here. What uh, grabbed your attention? Off the top, the targeting of uh, travel uh, accounts is something that is top of mind. Multiple actors across cybercrime forums are selling credentials tied to travel-related websites, specifically those that log mileage reward accounts. Uh, This was a big thing pre-pandemic where cybercriminals learned that you know, all these reward miles and frequent flyer miles, they have value, even though they're not something that is necessarily on the level of uh, money, uh, they do have value. And uh, a lot of these uh, travel companies, whether it's the airlines, uh, travel agents, anything in between, you know, you can redeem these miles for free flights and they have to store them somewhere. So uh, they're stored in the technology that these companies use, and cyber criminals are trying to access these accounts to steal these uh, mileage points and then kind of just catch them out on their own. You know, turn around, sell them, you know, for 10, 20, 30 cents on the dollar on uh, the cybercrime underground. And, you know, any money that they can pull from them, that's great because it's not theirs and, and it's all profit. So we've observed actors posting advertisements seeking help in targeting the accounts that uh, have, you know, at least 100,000 miles. 
and uh, you know these respective rewards points can be resold to other actors looking to conduct similar types of travel fraud activity with these uh, mileage points. Yeah, it's it's particularly interesting. I I think a lot of folks you know keep an eye on their bank account and probably have different alerts you know, to trigger if something unusual happens. But I can imagine a lot of people don't keep as close an eye on their miles. So it seems to me like this could be something where if something did get breached, it might take a little while for someone to even notice. Right. And there is always on the cybercrime underground the effort to try to find a victimless crime, I guess. And this one is a little bit different than, you know, having your credit card stolen or, you know, some other PII stolen where these are just mileage points where, you know, nobody's going to go bankrupt because they lost 100,000 frequent flyer miles. However, mm. if that can be traded for value, then why wouldn't cyber criminals try to, you know, gain something out of it? But you're not going to have people that are going to be so upset. If you talk to somebody that flies a lot and they say, well, I'm going to have my frequent flyer miles stolen or I'm going to have my credit card stolen, they're probably not going to be, you know, happy with any of that. But if they had to choose, they're probably going to take their frequent flyer miles. The companies that oversee this, of course, they want to guard that. But again, it's not a credit card number or, you know, some type of payment information that is floating out there. So there's a little bit of a sweet spot for cyber criminals and everybody involved in the scheme to say, okay, there's not a, a lot of monetary loss here. But then again, there is still some value there. So they have found the value and want to steal it for their own right. Yeah, I could imagine also it's a situation where, you know, it's not like law enforcement is going to be closing down borders to go after folks who are, you know, stealing uh, mileage, right? Right. Yeah. One of the other things that you all track here are ransomware attacks, which certainly have been uh, in the news. How does that uh, intersect with travel? So I think that intersects with travel because of the possibilities in delays that are going on. I mean, look, we see all the delays. The, the pandemic is not over yet. And, and we've seen you know, across the world that uh, the airline industry has been uh, hit pretty hard with the delays that can come from having their staff uh, recovering from COVID-19 infections. But uh, we've also seen uh, ransomware attacks that have focused on causing delays in the same vein that um, you know, COVID cancellations can do. But we have not seen a heightened direct threat to the industry at large over the first few months of the year, but the risk remains because of other attacks that can happen. I go back to August uh, 2021 when Lockbit 2.0 breached Accenture. They demanded like a $50 million ransom payment. But, um, you know, uh, Accenture is a huge international professional services firm. And of course, they're going to work with companies in all different sectors, including the travel industry. Later in August, Lockbit 2.0 breached uh, a regional airline based in Thailand with credentials that are allegedly obtained from the Accenture breach. So, you know, software supply chains are still a, a, a really big threat and uh, ransomware groups know this and the bigger companies that they hit, uh, the long tail of ransomware attacks that uh, we're going to see. I mean, and even as our report uh, was being crafted, uh, we saw an attempted ransomware attack impact the IT systems of uh, a low cost airline headquartered in India. It forced the company to cancel and delay flights just as if there was a, a COVID delay. There is not a direct 
threat to the industry at large. Software supply chains exist, and uh, there really is a long tail, and these ransomware groups know how to exploit them. One of the other things that you will highlight here is the war in Ukraine. I think a lot of people have been surprised, uh, you know, the degree to which that activity, you know, half a world away has bled into a lot of other areas of people's lives around the world. Yeah. The the travel scams and the cybercrime being conducted uh, as a result of Russia's invasion on Ukraine it's not quite in the, the the same category as some of the other things that we've talked about uh, because a lot of it has to do with you know criminals who are using insiders for illegal migration purposes. I mean, a lot of borders are shut down in that area. I think like Moldova, Romania, uh, things like that. A lot of like underground travel fraud with regards to Ukraine, it's happening just to facilitate the movement across borders. Uh, I mean, we've seen actors claim that insiders could facilitate illegal border crossings for Ukrainian males between 18 to 60 over the Ukrainian-Moldovan border. And then also, uh, you know, with ramifications dealing with uh, the war uh, in Ukraine, we saw uh, uh, Killnet, which uh, I know has gained uh, a lot of attention lately, the pro-Russian activist group conducting attacks against targets uh, in Romania because Romania is supplying support to Ukraine. So we've seen uh, travel-related entities impacted like the Romania-based Air Traffic Service Administration and airports uh, in Bucharest. So as long as the conflict continues in Ukraine, we would expect that any sort of travel or logistics companies or organizations that are uh, helping uh, the Ukrainian effort that they would run the risk of Killnet trying to affect their operations in some way. So based on the information that you all have gathered here, what are your recommendations? How should people best protect themselves? So maintaining awareness of uh, techniques and, and how these scams perpetuate is really paramount. Um, you know, using technology to identify false identities when booking travel, really being up to date on anti-fraud and anti-phishing filtering can go a long way to preventing actors from taking over high value accounts, especially those with the large amount of frequent flyer miles that we talked about. And then if you're an individual that is uh, looking uh, to travel, you know, refraining from responding to unsolicited vacation offers and being smart about payments and booking directly through reputable service and prevent the likelihood of being scammed. Because like I said, the travel boom as people getting back, trying to get back to real life, cyber criminals realize that, and they're not gonna try to leave this stone unturned when it comes to pulling people's money uh, away from them and into their own coffers. Joe, what do you think? It's interesting that right out of the gate in the beginning of this interview, we hear again that these bad guys watch what's going on and target trends of behavior. Hmm. Increased travel is no different. We're all getting back to traveling. I've got two trips coming up very soon. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to be at the Grace Hopper Conference, and I'm going to go down to Texas again. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll go into another gun store, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> been there, done that. You've been there, done that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do something new, I think. Um, so 
Yeah, as 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 we're increasing on as we're increasing our uh, our travel, getting back into the normal travel of things. I saw a news story this morning that uh, memorial or yeah, Memorial Day weekend was the biggest travel day in three years. Huh. And I was like, well, yeah, because nobody's been traveling for the past two years, mm-hmm. right? So it makes sense. Uh, bad guys notice this, and they're they're getting back into the into the travel scam game, yeah. including going after rewards points. Now, you know, rewards points can be exchanged for things like gift cards. Did mm-hmm. you know that? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. you don't have mm-hmm. to spend it on flights. You can spend it on gift cards, magazine subscriptions. There's a ton of stuff that you can put your miles towards. In fact. Um, you know, these things have value and maybe they're targeted because they may not mean as much to the people that have them, mm-hmm. right? And a great example about that is uh, your point about not knowing the balance. I know about how much money I have in in my accounts, my bank account, right? Right. I know how much money is about in my 403B and in my, my reti- other retirement accounts. I know what's there. Yeah. I had to go and look up what my, uh, what my mileage balance was, my miles balance at my, at my affinity program with the airline I use. Mm-hmm. I had to, I didn't have that in my head. It's not front of mind for me. Yeah. So, you know, if somebody had siphoned off 10,000 of those miles, I wouldn't have known. Right. I would have been like, oh, okay. I have that many miles and it, it would have been less. Yeah. yeah. Um, companies may not care as much about it either. Right. Mm. Because it's not a credit card number. Right. Maybe the customers don't really care if you if you uh, you know if you if you breach credit card numbers, people are going to be upset about that. But if you have if customers lose uh, lose these miles because of their own operational sh- security shortfalls, then you know the company might be like, oh well. And the company can always just go, well, we'll just give you miles back. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, and I don't know if it costs them anything. It probably do- it probably is a loss for them. Yeah, there's probably some kind of accounting thing they have to do because yeah. it does have value. But if, I mean, to your earlier point, if if I lost I don't know five or ten thousand miles, I probably wouldn't even notice. Right. Yeah. You know? The story about the small airline getting hit because Accenture was breached uh, is kind of troubling to me. Hmm. You know this this is something that I don't think that a, a lot of people in the security industry think about is the exposure because of vendors and customers. Mm. Uh, you know, if you have customers and vendors who have access to your systems and they get breached, then you need to update your those access tokens, whatever those are. Uh, because this case here, they, these guys just, when they, when they exfiltrated that data from Accenture, they said, oh, look, here's some login credentials for a small airline. I'm just going to walk in there and put ransomware on their computers and demand money from them. Right. That was that was a no brainer for these bad guys, um, but it, you know I don't know I don't know what to say about this aside from just you know every single one of these companies that you do business with you should have an agreement with them that they have to notify you when they have a a, a breach yeah they have to send you a letter or something they have to call you or do something so now you go okay so you've been breached so we're changing the credentials. Yeah, I mean it's the classic third-party risk kind of thing, yeah. and and I think one of the challenges is is how do you how far back do you go? You know, you've got your suppliers, they've got their suppliers, they've got their suppliers. It's it's a spider web. I think it's safe if you go. Well, actually, that's a good question because let's say that uh, you give your information to Company A, and then Company A gives that same information to Company B, and Company B gets breached. Yeah, and now somebody and let's say that's login credentials. 
They shouldn't yeah. be sharing the login credentials, but let's say they just included them with something they shouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, and it gets, I mean, yeah, that's an excellent question. I think a lot of it is, is ask, making sure you ask the suppliers those questions. You know, what are, what are you sharing? I'm sharing this with you. Who are you sharing this with? Right. That sort of thing. Just make sure. And then. And you can absolutely stop this dead in the tracks by requiring uh, multi-factor authentication with a hardware token. Yep. And then nobody gets in. You yep. say, if you're going to access our systems, you need to use some hardware token to get in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, finally, the protection, the, the best protection against this is awareness. And I like what Greg says here. He says awareness is paramount, paramount to this. So you need to, you need to be aware of all these things these bad guys can do and just keep an eye on it. And one of the greatest ways you can continue to increase your awareness is by listening to shows like Hacking Human. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> so you're preaching to the choir, Joe. That's right. I am preaching to the choir. But I'm telling everybody, don't stop but, listening. But tell your friends. Tell your friends. That's right. right. Uh, see, friends, I go for threatening your our listeners ones. and say, yes, don't stop you, listening or your bad things will happen. Yes, your neighbors. Just shout it from the rooftops. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, our thanks to Greg Otto from Intel 471 for taking the time with us. We do appreciate it. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technology. Thanks to the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>